Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So, this morning we are continuing our series in Hebrews, and um, we're on Hebrews chapter 3. So, if you want to turn to that chapter, because that is what I'm going to be talking about this morning. And um, really felt that God wanted to talk to us about having a heart of hope. And the writer of Hebrews, really the, the kind of main theme throughout the book is a sense of urgency to the people they're writing to, that we need to be holding on to our faith. It's not something that we should just casually, like, oh, we're saved, that's great. There's a sense of urgency. Now, this, is, this is a matter of life and death, guys. It's important. We need to take our faith seriously. And I say for the, for the chapter, verse 6, we'll start with verse 6. That's the kind of verse that the whole chapter then kind of builds up in the argument. So, But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So the writer is saying, we have faith, we believe in Jesus, if we hold on firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So they're suggesting that there is an action involved with our faith. We have to be holding on firmly to our confidence. Holding on, because it's something that is living something that needs to be nurtured and grown because we're in a relationship with a living God. And so we need to be careful to hold on so our faith doesn't get lost along the way or our hearts don't become hardened. So let's carry on going on to Hebrews 3. Are you there? 7 to 11, which also quotes Psalm 95. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So what does this refer to? It refers to the time when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. And um, they, you know, God performed so many signs and wonders during that time. They were, you know, were given food each day. They, you know, if we were experiencing those miracles now, it would be like, wow. But soon the Israelites started to complain because following God wasn't what they were expecting. Freedom didn't seem so free. Freedom perhaps was a bit harder than they thought. And in the end, some of the guys were like, you know what, wouldn't it be just easier to go back to being slaves in Egypt? At least we had more variety in what we ate rather than just this bread and water and maybe occasional birds falling out of the sky. And so they complained. They didn't, following God was hard. 
And I'm just so thankful we have Jesus. Because I think I would have been one of those people complaining <laughs> about the variety of food, about this is hard. And in the end, only two people entered the promised land. So God said, I'm taking you, I'm leading you out so that you can have your own land. But because they weren't getting it, because they weren't able, because God is so perfect and humans are not, only two were able to enter the promised land. Neither of which was Moses. He was alive, but he didn't make it in. I just find that amazing. <laughs> so freedom wasn't what they thought it should look like. It was hard. And slavery ended up feeling more appealing. They looked back. And as you'll find, that actually that just led to a lot of them dying and not entering into God's promise. So let's move on. Verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So I think that the writer is writing to a group of people who have become Christians. They were Jewish, and they've converted to Christianity. And it sounds like some of them are starting to sound like the Israelites. They're starting to be like, this is too hard. Following Jesus isn't what I had expected it to be. I'm being persecuted. There are people dying for my faith. The Romans are still in power. Maybe looking back, being Jewish is just easier. And maybe the people that they're writing to, some of those people had already decided to do that. But the writer is like, just you need to make sure that you're not like that. Make sure that you're holding on to the hope, holding on to the confidence, because you don't understand what the decision that you're making. And what I find interesting in verse 12 is what unbelieving heart means. The Israelites didn't stop believing that God existed. They just decided they couldn't follow him anymore. It was too hard. And I love verse 13. Let's just go back to it. That we need each other. We need each other. Yeah. Let's encourage each other. Because it's wonderful meeting together as believers, because we all share the same faith. But actually, what the writer is saying, no, you need each other so that you can continue walking this line of faith, because it's a narrow path. It's a narrow path, and the enemy doesn't want us to walk the narrow path. He wants us to be disheartened. He wants us to be discouraged and to start believing things that aren't true. Maybe, maybe the world looks easier. Maybe, I, you know not having to do the hard things of throwing off the old is easier because you know what it is the world is tempting and our flesh is strong but as we walk through faith as we walk through the journey of faith we need to understand that we're in a battle because once we're saved that doesn't mean that oh yes I'm perfect and I haven't got any issues it means that, as Paul said in Romans, we are dying to ourselves. And that is actually quite violent, isn't it? That's quite, that's not an easy thing. 
And so that process of sanctification means that we are fighting against the principalities. We're fighting against our natural desires to, oh, slavery looked more appealing. To throw off the old ways, throw off the flesh and become more like Jesus. Let's go on to verse 14. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, that means today where you've received God's grace, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Do not turn away from following God. So what does hardening our hearts look like for us today because the context is quite different it's all right i can go down thank you i think that hardening our hearts could look like losing our faith you know there are brothers and sis- brothers and sisters that just don't make it and that is really painful and sad that's why we need to be encouraging each other but I think for, for many of us, myself included, hardening can look perhaps a little bit more subtle. Perhaps over our lives, things haven't turned out the way that we had hoped things would turn out. Maybe following Jesus isn't as exciting as it first was. And you've picked up pain, you've picked up hurts, Disappointment, maybe you just don't have the time. And perhaps our expectations of what freedom looks like is haven't been met, so our so we lower them to meet the world's standards. Kind of what I think of, of that, what happens is If we're like the Israelites, we still believe in God, but somewhere along the line, we've stopped following him. We might go to church, we might help with various ministries, but at some point along the way, we've stopped interacting with him. We've perhaps got to a point where the pain or the disappointment that we're looking at in our hand has become bigger and our focus has ended up looking at that rather than looking at Jesus. And our living God then has become more of like a statue. (laughs) He's not able to have power and authority in our lives because at some point we stopped trusting him. We stopped allowing him to enter into the hard bits, enter into the bits that a sore, and maybe we, th- we started believing the lie that we couldn't be healed, we couldn't be transformed, freedom doesn't look so good. So, you know, I love God, but I can't trust him with my pain and my disappointment. But Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, take heart. I have overcome the world. 
I think what strikes me most about Jesus is that not only did he come to die so that we could have a relationship with Father God, but he came to show us that he's just in it. <laughs> he is with us. He wanted to show us that he knows what it's like to be human. He had friends that portrayed him. He knew physical pain. He knew the grief. He didn't shy away from any of that. He was very open with his emotions. And that encourages me to be more open with mine, to be like, it's okay to feel these feelings because God's given them to me. But what I need to do is not focus on them in my hand, but look to my living God who's going to step in, minister to me in that so that I can keep on that narrow path. Because what, how I see it is I've got this narrow path, I've got Jesus, I've got others beside me as well encouraging me, so I can stay on that path the rest of my life. So that not only do I hold on to my faith, but I'm also throwing off the old, so that I can experience what Jesus talks about, that I want that he came to give bring life to the full. And I know that we'll see that fullness in eternity, but I also believe that we will see some of that now. But we need to hold on. So he understands our pain, and he wants to see us at the finish line and, t and say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. He wants us all to reach that finish line together, encouraging each other along the way, because it's wonderful to have friends, but we need to be sharpening each other along the way to be like, you know, in those safe relationships, saying to each other, hang on a minute, is that quite right? Is what you're thinking is quite right? And I'm not just giving that an invitation for anyone to, to speak into your life, but in those safe relationships you have with other believers, to be brave and to be like, is that, is that what Jesus is really saying? Do you need to let that go? I think there's a danger of us as Christians, particularly in Pentecostal realms, is that we think maybe we need to have it sorted or need to enter into his presence with that, like boldness and victory victory and triumphalism and, and all of that and, and there are times in our life where we will be like that and that's awesome and I, I love those moments but I think oftentimes it is literally Jesus help me <laughs> and I'm reminded you know people getting healed in the New Testament and I don't see people all that got it all together going to Jesus asking for he healing. I'm, I see people who recognize that they need him, that they're broken. And I'm reminded of the woman with the issue of bleeding. She did, she just knew she needed Jesus. She just reached out to hold his hem. It's just his hem. And she received healing. Because that's all he's asking us to do. Because life 
in the Old Testament, it was hard. God's perfect and we fail. And that's why we have Jesus and that's why we have grace. Yes, we mustn't abuse that grace. We need to make sure we tread carefully, like Pete was saying earlier on. We need to enter in with awe and reverence. But he does. His promise to us is healing. His promise to us is he is with us. He is for us. He wants us to break free. But let's remind us that we have the Holy Spirit to help us on that journey. He didn't leave us with nothing. He left us with the Holy Spirit. And I forget that. I think as so many people through the Old Testament and the Bible, we're just so natural. We just want to take things into our own hands. Let's be asking ourselves, Holy Spirit, help me today. Fill me up, Jesus. I need you to help me. Because we're in that spiritual battle. It's difficult to keep striving to try and sort yourself out, isn't it? You just end up feeling exhausted. And I've definitely got into that rhythm again of, let's, you know, let's try harder, let's try harder. And God's just like, just allow me. I haven't asked you to do that. Just allow me to work through you, to break off those things that only I can do, allow me. So as Pete said, I've, I've created a little, <laughs> it's called a heart, a heart audit, which sounds very formal. Um, but it's just some questions. Because I think in life, it gets so busy that we <laughs> end up doing the things around God that haven't perhaps got the time to interact with him and ask, you know, God, is there things that I'm not believing that are true? Are there hurts that I'm holding on to that I haven't allowed you to minister to me to? And we're going to pass them around. I have got them in different languages. <laughs> and this isn't an exercise to see how well I can write questions. Some of these questions might frustrate you. But really, it's a tool to allow you to think about where you're at. Because we want to see each and every one of us walk this life of freedom towards eternity. Issues and kids. I'm just going to have some music playing in the background. But yeah, take your time, fill them out if you want to, or just reflect and think about it. There's pens underneath the chair. <laughs> and if you've got f good friends, good Christian friends, I also recommend maybe outside of this service to meet up with them and just go through it together and be like, I'm finding this difficult. Can you help me and pray for me in this? We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.